Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. And tonight we're going to talk about health and healing 101. Uh, this, this, this should be some of the first things we learn about the will of God. This should be some of the first things we learn about health and healing. It should be some things that we already know. So we're just going to cover some of these bases. You know, uh, here in March 2020, this series that we are in, the series Jesus the Healer, Five Days in the Life of Christ, that we are doing on Sunday mornings, each Sunday morning, uh, you know, it, it, it is well underway. And don't you know, it's just in time. My goodness, one of the two main topics in world news today is this, you know, COVID-19 virus. My goodness, you know, it's a new strain of flu-like, uh, uh, a flu-like sickness that has been declared to, you know, today by the World Health Organization as, as, a, as, as a, you know, bona fide pandemic. It has affected the whole earth. And without regard as to your personal or political opinions concerning uh, this particular coronavirus, COVID-19, without, without how you feel about it politically, whether you think you know, uh, you know, uh, anybody or nobody is telling you the truth, and, and, and without respect to, to how it will play out in the future, allow me to offer just a thought or two for your consideration tonight. We cannot afford to be alarmist. We cannot afford to be reactionary. We cannot afford to just move in fear or be worried or anxious. You know, no knee-jerk reactions. Uh, uh, but uh, when it comes to the health and the things that threaten the health of our family, our friends, and things that threaten our nation, our well-being, uh, you know, both here and around the world, we need to make sure that we aren't reactionary, but we also need to make sure that we are not complacent. You know, it's important that we understand just a little bit about it. And so allow me, as we are talking about health and healing tonight, just to share a few things for your consideration. You know, you probably already know these things. Uh, one of the first things and one of the things that most of you probably hear all the time, especially in the last few days, uh, is it, 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 and, and it's often reported and repeated that, that the flu kills more people than the coronavirus. What in the world are we concerned about? Well, while that may be true in some respects, uh, this statement should not leave us without concern. We shouldn't use that to wipe away all of our concern. Because the flu kills perhaps 350,000 people a year around the world. Now, no matter what way you look at it, 350,000 people dying each year from the flu, if it's not as, doesn't kill as many people as the flu, still 350,000 people is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> Pun intended. Okay? The flu in and of itself is scary. So if it was not even as bad as the flu or the flu-like, even the flu is scary. So scary that people get vaccinated worldwide against it. I mean, and, and, and there, are, there, are, there are therapies that we use if you get the flu to help you, you know, with the flu. And, and uh, you know, it's, uh, we, 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 we do our best to defend against the flu each year, however you do it, whether you pray and take a spiritual flu shot or if you go down to, you know, one of our local pharmacies or our, our, our other, other venues and get a flu shot. Uh, it's important to realize that 
when, when people say, well, the flu kills more people than that, that doesn't mean that we just need to just throw caution to the wind and, and allow that statement to sweep all concerns away from us. God wants us to be concerned about things that have potential to harm you, hurt you, your friends, your family, your nation, the world, the impoverished, the malnourished of the world, the elderly, those that, 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 that you know, have underlying um, health conditions. God wants us to be concerned about those people. So we shouldn't just sweep away all concerns as though it's all about me and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm fine, I'm going to be okay, so who cares? You know, uh, We do and should do everything we can to, uh, to guard against contracting um, any sickness or disease. But presently, when it concerns the COVID-19 coronavirus, it's, uh, uh, there is no vaccine available. And might not be for a year and a half. That means we might go through another season with this. Before vaccines are made available to people in mass quantities that it takes to ensure that a nation, a community, you know, a generation uh, feels safe. And presently there is no therapy or cure or drug that will even fight that coronavirus, you know, adequately in, um, in a person's body once they do get it. You know, uh, fortunately, you know, 80% of the people that get it, it's going to, you know, as we're told today about those people that know, it's, it's, it's probably not going to um, be big in their life. But it doesn't mean that it's not going to be big in the lives of their families and friends and, and a broader population. You know, and presently, there are insufficient numbers of tests to even be given uh, for every person at will all over the world. And the best way still to guard against the spread of this virus is, is uh, not to expose yourself to people who may have it and to not expose others to something that you may have. You know, this is just makes good sense. The Bible uh, uh, speaks to the necessity of, of um, not exposing ourselves to people who, uh, you know, have diseases uh, just, just, ran, just, just haphazardly, nor exposing ourselves when we may have maladies to others who might not, uh, you know, be able to protect themselves and their immune systems may not be what needs to be, that we might harm them. So, uh, you know, COVID-19's impact, however, is not just limited to health issues. The economic impact on our world markets, our airlines, our Hotels, our travel, our jobs, our industry, manufacturing, material, supplies, and labor uh, has currently crippled the whole world. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this uh, because sometimes the pursuit of knowledge can uh, look like the pursuit of fear. But let me tell you, today, 60 million Italians are on lockdown in their homes. 60 million. Wow, that is amazing. Their world changed. They're, they're ending the second day of being disal you know, disallowed to travel freely. A whole nation, Italy. And I was just there a few months ago. You know, Today, the borders of Israel are completely closed to all foreigners. 
And if you are a citizen of that community that happens to be returning into the state of Israel today, you are going on a mandatory 14-day quarantine. But, but the, the, the prime minister of Israel, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, has completely shut down his whole nation to all foreigners. And it has, it is, you know, for all practical purposes, completely destroyed the economy of his nation. Today, 3,500 people are being tested in Oakland Harbor who have been quarantined on a cruise ship for a week longer than they anticipated. Why? Because of a coronavirus outbreak. Initially, 46 people tested, 21 confirmed had the virus. They just have held those 3,500 people basically, you know, under house arrest without any say, without any rights of movement or release. And they're in Oakland Harbor. Each one of them is going to be tested. And when they get off the ship, they'll get off in a non-commercial, you know, uh, isolated environment and taken straight to a, 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 a bus if they're from another country, taken straight to a chartered airplane and flown to their home country and then put in quarantine there. If, and, and, and if they're from the United States, they would be taken straight to a bus and straight to an airport and flown to one of four military bases in the United States, one of which is Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. Listen, these people won't be released until all danger of them Spreading this virus has been dealt with. And then, you know, who knows whether they, whether they will get to return to what we might consider their normal lives or not. You know, are their jobs waiting? What, 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 you know, what's happening with their pets? You know, is the food spoiling in their homes? I mean, they, you know, they had no intention. Let me tell you, this is changing lives, changing families, changing the face of the nations of the world. The response of world leaders and world health officials has disrupted the rhythms of the daily lives of citizens in over 100 countries today. Schools have been closed. People are being forced to work from home or just forced to go home. I called one of my family friends yesterday in Israel, and when they picked up the phone, they said, I'm unemployed. I'm unemployed. I said, I'm sorry. They said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. It's going to be okay, but it's going to be a little walk. It's going to take a little time because the borders and the industries and the jobs and everybody's been sent home, you know, through the middle of April. How many of you business people could afford or how many of you wage earners could afford to be sent home today? And you're not getting another paycheck till mid-April. You can't change it. There's nothing you can do about it. That's happening today in our world. And you know, it's, it's nothing to be reactionary about, and it's not to be alarmist, but it is something to be concerned about. If not for us, then for those who are facing these things, or those who could face similar things around our nation. Sports matches are being played to empty stadiums. Today, 
They canceled the Houston Rodeo and Livestock Show. Canceled it. Sent the participants and, you know, the first time in 80 years, sent, uh, sent the vendors home. Just, that's it. It's over. Do you know how much money that means to so many people? The anticipation of, of getting to participate and, 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 and you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, hotels being emptied. Rental cars being returned. Restaurants being, you know, all of a sudden, nobody's there. The crowds they depended on. The South by Southwest Ultra Music Festival, one of Austin's biggest venues each year, canceled. And on top of that, South by Southwest Music Festival, they laid off 50 people today. 50 of their employees got laid off today. Peaceful public gatherings in many cities have been banned through mid-April. In fact, in Washington State, specifically the Seattle area, meetings of more than 250 people are disallowed. The Palestinian territories have closed all the mosques, all, all the churches, Mecca and Medina for the Islamic religion. There are two most, the, the, the main two holy sites closed, shut down. Can't even go there and pray. It's affecting everyone. Panic shopping has emptied shelves in stores. Even in our own city, Walmart did not have one bottle of bottled water, uh, bottled water yesterday. People are fighting over toilet paper in Australia <laughs> and putting it online. <laughs> toilet papers, you know, toilet paper uh, three days ago. You know, uh, our, our bookkeeper's son who has a business in Honolulu called her and told her he was shocked. He can't buy any toilet paper. It's all gone. No toilet paper in Honolulu as of three days ago. Hoarding is one of the you know, least kind elements of man who is driven by fear and panic. The fear of not having toilet paper is just one notch above that. <laughs> I could go on and on and on. Silly, shameful, fear-driven panic, reaction to false reporting or not, I don't know. But the truth remains that things are very different this week than they were last week. Things are very different today than they were just a few days ago for the whole world. One of the most sobering realizations that I have come to was the result of watching two respected world leaders sign what amounts to executive orders. The Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, and Prime Minister Conte of Italy, they sat and signed 
executive orders to close their countries and to isolate their citizens and to cripple their economies in hopes of saving lives. I have considered one of two possibilities, and I, I honestly don't know which one it is. But from my considerations, either, either the leaders of many countries of the world, these educated world leaders, either they are insane, bona fide insanity, and they have agreed and conspired together to destroy their nations, to put undue hardships, unimaginable hardships, on the citizens and the families of their nations. Either they are, are just hell-bent on destroying this generation's economy and destroying their nation, or else they know something that I don't know. I fear it's the second one. Whichever the case, we need to be prepared to face the future with confidence because we have confidence in Christ. We are not those who panic and react. We are those who act. We need to face the future and be prepared to face that future with confidence in Christ and faith in a future that only God can predict and that only God can write. And we need to remember this is not all about us. The moment we begin to make it all about us, we might be missing the greatest opportunities that God is giving us in the midst of moments that are very difficult for others. When their hearts might be open the most and they might be in their greatest hour of need. For these reasons this evening, I, I'm going to continue building on the messages that God has given us for just such a time as this. And tonight, uh, the teaching is going to center on health and healing. You see, God teaches us that nothing takes the place of being prepared. Nothing takes the place of being prepared. One of the problems in the world today can be understood from a comment made by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter in verse 8. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? Well, that's, that's what's going on in our nation right now. There's an uncertain sound. Our world leaders, our political leaders on, on, on every side of the issue, they're making uncertain sounds. I mean, am I supposed to be concerned or not be concerned? Is this bad? Is it not bad? Do I, you know, what do I do or do I I do nothing this uncertain sound what should I do it's important to not allow worry and fear to dominate our lives even in the midst of this uncertain sound even in the midst of this confused rhetoric how can we know what to believe when we're told opposites and conflicting opinions that are supposed to be the best and the most educated and well-versed opinions of our nation and the world. How can we know? Well, it's important that we not allow ourselves to be driven by worry and fear. Definitely remain calm 
but don't be complacent. Remain calm. You know, go about your life. Enjoy your life. Don't let this rob you of joy and peace. Don't let this moment rob you of, of, of you know, um, all the wonderful things that God has given us and all the wonderful opportunities that, 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 that are being presented to us on a daily basis. You know, don't let this rob you of, of your peace and of your joy. Be calm, but don't be complacent. Don't imagine that it's not a real concern for someone else. That we are called as believers in Jesus Christ, not only to, to, to love ourselves, but to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We're called to make sure that we take care of ourselves for God. But we also are called to take care of others. The wisdom of Solomon provides a simple remedy for much of life. And in Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, verse 3, uh, Solomon said, A prudent man foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. <laughs> you know, Solomon was pretty wise about this. It seems very, very simple, but, but yet it's very profound to realize that God in his wisdom encourages us to look a little farther down the road and to make sure that, that as being a prudent person, now prudence does not stem from fear. Prudence is, 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 is not a worried look. Prudence demands action that is guided by wisdom because we are you know, discerning of something that is dangerous, something down the road that is dangerous, and we hide ourselves, we avoid it, we go around it, we take precaution, as Solomon said. And we don't just, you know, throw away all concern and just go blindly down a road, because if we do, we could suffer consequences. And this is the way it is with health and healing. Remember the topic of our month, health and healing. How in the world do we work with God? How do we get God on our side and how do we get ourselves on his side? How do we move ourselves in a place where we are candidates for the life that God wants for us and, 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 and has for us? How can we make a reflection of all that Jesus did and gave his life for a reality in our lives? How can we have love and joy and peace and, and patience and gentleness and goodness in our life? How can we want to be good and kind to others uh, you know, and, and faithfulness and, and you know, uh, uh, you know, self-control, humility. How can we present ourselves to others as though Christ really did live in us? As though we were the ones that were bringing peace. As though we were the ones that were bringing, you know, a calm and a, and, 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 and a hopeful, you know, opportunity for others. How can we help others and in turn help ourselves? Proverbs 30, verse 25 says, The ants are a people not strong. <laughs> They're kind of tiny, aren't they? I, I'm, you know, I could argue that point with Solomon if he and I were sitting in a room together. Of course, I don't dare abridge his wisdom because I understand his intent. They're kind of small, okay? And you can, you, know, you can squash them pretty easily. But, you know, you know body weight, they're pretty strong for, for who they are. But they still have the good sense to prepare their food in the summer. You know, Genesis as well records the account of Abraham. Abraham, our father of faith. The Bible paints a picture in Genesis 14 of, of Abraham preparing his servants, 
in a time of peace. He prepared for war in a time of peace. When things were going good, Abraham was out there training his servants. He was taking some of his shepherds who were born in his house and some of his young men, and he was marching them around like they were an army, and he was making weapons, and he was making spears and swords and, and arming them. Why? It's a time of peace. I mean, we haven't been at war. There was no indication that Abraham was, was expecting to be overrun, and indeed he wasn't. But one of his family members named Lot was taken captive from another city. And five kings came, and, or four kings came and, and took him captive. And when that happened, thankfully Abraham was prepared. Prepared. Genesis 14, 14 says, And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed 318 Trained servants. What do you mean trained? These were shepherd boys. These were servants. These were servants. These were, you know, house servants. I mean, what, what do you mean trained? Evidently, he had trained them and he armed them. How did he arm them? He evidently had at least 318 weapons in his house. <laughs> he was prepared. He armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his house and they went in pursuit as far as Dan. And the next story... They defeated all those kings and got everyone back and all the goods and won a great victory with, with, with 318 men. He did against those four kings what the five kings of Sodom and that region could not accomplish with their armies. Why? Because he was prepared. As well, Joseph told Pharaoh to use the seven years of plenty to prepare for the years when there would be shortages. This is one of the things, if we're not watchful, we can live an unprepared life. And an unprepared life is not a life that is working with God or working with His Word. That, that, that we, we, we are not doing our part living unprepared in life. God expects us, and, and, and our best life is certainly living with a margin. God expects us to live with a margin. You know, don't you want to live life with a margin? Don't you want to get to the top of the stairs and still have a little breath left? Or do you want to make that last step with the last breath that one more step would kill you? Don't you want to live life with a margin? Don't you want to get to the end of the month and have more money instead of wondering, oh, is this dollar going to, I mean, am I going to squeak by this month? Or are they coming to take the house, the car? Living life with a margin. We should also live life with a margin. Physically, mentally, spiritually, we need to live life with a margin. This is God's best for us. That's what Joseph was teaching Pharaoh. In order to, for you to be okay in days to come, you need to take the goodness of God today, the blessings of God today, the abundance of God today, all the things that are rich and wonderful in your life today, don't take those things for granted. You need to use those things to prepare for days that it might not be so. Not just Days that it might not be so in your life, but days that you might need to help a neighbor, a friend, a family member, someone else who, who may not have enough patience, enough peace, enough joy that you can sow mercy and, 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 and sow goodness into someone else's life. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 7, by faith Noah when, you know, being divinely warned, when he was warned by God of things not yet seen. 
He moved with godly fear. That didn't mean that he was anxious or nervous or worried. It means that he moved with a reverent respect for what God wanted him to do. And he prepared. 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 In light of health and healing, tonight we are going to center on this concept of being prepared to work with God and to get God to work in our life. Preparation. He prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. You know, even Jesus is using this time today. While we sit here, you know what Jesus is doing? He's preparing. That's what John 14, 2 says. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Preparation is a huge part of God's intention for our lives. Whenever God made Adam and Eve, he put them in a garden. He planted a garden, and he put them in that garden, and he told them, till the garden. He told them, I want you to cultivate that garden, and I want you to guard it and cultivate it. I want you to prepare it for the next harvest. I want you to prepare it. I want you to work with it. I want you to work with me. I've told you the story many times about, about you know, Two men that are talking and one of them is standing with his back to his field and his field is so fruitful and it's, and, and, and it's you know, it, it, it has so much fruit. The, the harvest is ripe and ready. And the man who owns the field says to the other man, he says, um, have, have you seen what I did with my field? And the other man in his pious response says, don't you mean what the Lord did? And the man who owned the field replied, well, you should have seen it when the Lord had it by himself. That's your life. You know, if God was going to do something in your life by himself, you would be perfect today. But it takes you working with him in every area, in every aspect of life. You know, God wants you to have a good marriage, but it's going to take you working with him. God wants you to have good friendships. He wants you to have good relationships on your job and in your school. But it takes you working with him. He wants you to have happiness and joy and peace and prosperity. He wants you to, you know, have patience, but it's going to take you working with him. He wants you to make good grades, but it takes you working with him. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to have a good life, but it takes you working with him. Preparedness is a theme which runs throughout the Bible in story after story, life after life, generation after generation. One of the things that is certain when you read the Bible, you will never, we will never catch God unprepared. And we're supposed to be like him. We'll never catch God unprepared. Just ask Jonah. The Bible says that God prepared a great fish. It didn't say that he shazammed a great fish. He didn't rub the bottle and say to Jeannie, I want a great big fish right there right now. He prepared a great fish. He prepared a great fish to rescue Jonah from the raging sea and to take him to safety and to dry ground. God is always prepared, and so should we be. This evening, as I said, we're going to continue strengthening our Sunday morning series on, on healing and health by talking about how we can best be prepared for the life that God wants us to enjoy. John said in 3 John in verse 2, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are healthy 
in body as uh, that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. So, without further ado, let's turn our attention to health and healing and ask the question, how can we best work with God to achieve His will for our life? What can we do? Well, there are basically three parts of our lives in which God expects us to be prepared and He expects us to be healthy in. And He'll work with us in every one of these areas. He has miraculous power. He has divine intervention. But He also has some natural opportunities for us to be prepared to be healthy and prepare ourselves. Number one, physically. Number two, mentally. And number three, spiritually. It's important to God and it's important to us. It's important to me that I, that I be healthy physically. It's important to me that I be healthy mentally. It's important to you that I'm healthy mentally too. <laughs> and also it's important to all of us that we're healthy spiritually. Well, the first question that I would ask uh, myself, and so I'll ask you as well, is how can we help God achieve His will for us to be healed and healthy physically? How can I help God achieve his will for me. Now, more than just, you know, uh, more than uh, just calling on him when, when I get sick. And I should, and I do, because there are enemies that attack us. But many problems in life can be dealt with, with prudence, to look down the road and to foresee a danger, a problem, evil, and to do something about it today so that we avoid it in our future. It's a part of preparation. It's a part of our preventative measures to make sure that we are physically healthy. That, that, you know, and, and, and in order to, to work with God and not against Him, I'm going to have to pay some attention. God wants me healed and healthy. He doesn't just want me healed. He wants me healthy. So I'm going to have to pay it some attention, number one, to my diet. What I eat. Hello? What I take in to my body. You know, I have to pay some attention to that. Now, I'm just not talking about, you know, uh, the, the, the aspects of overeating. I'm talking about the aspects of, of working with God. If there's something that I know gives me, you know, headaches, and I, when I eat it, I don't need to be eating it and believing God my headache will go away. Maybe you haven't been tested for gluten. Maybe, maybe you don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, you're allergic to onions. I don't know. My son is allergic to onions. And, you know, son, you, you know, if, if you're watching, he thinks I'm allergic to onions because onions make him really angry, and he's seen me angry, and he says, onions. <laughs> my brother is allergic to onions. We've learned don't give my brother any onions, you know. Alcohol. My son you know, makes this joke. He says that, that when he drinks, he, he, he's allergic to alcohol. When he drinks alcohol, he breaks out the handcuffs. <laughs> it's unreasonable for us to do anything, take anything into our bodies that we know, you know, that, 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 we, that we know is harmful to us 
Or that if we have repetitive problems and praying and ask God, you know, please God, take this from me. Praying and asking for divine intervention is something we should do. And in faith we should do it. And we are learning each Sunday the different facets and aspects of how God wants to bring healing to us. But also on these Wednesday evenings it's important for us to take some personal responsibility. Listen, diet is an important part. The Bible addresses the dietary concerns that God has for his children. And we need to understand that some of it is our responsibility. Number two, exercise. It is important to exercise. Everybody, in order to be healthy, in order to be prime, in order to ward off disease and sickness and infirmity and injury and all these other things, it's important that we be physically uh, uh, aware that we need to eat right and we need some exercise. And number three, we need some rest. Proper rest is one of the most important things in renewing our body. Do you know whenever you sleep that your brain shrinks? I didn't know this until recently. It kind of shrinks a little bit. Did y'all know that? I didn't know I had brain shrinkage at night. And it squeezes out toxins and, and then my spinal cords, uh, you know, supposed to produce, you know, uh, uh, you know, washing and flushing out all of my, I, I didn't realize that. And I haven't been a sleeper. I haven't historically spent a lot of time sleeping in my life. I'm one of those. I'll stay up as late as I can. I'm not as bad as my grandson sitting back there who drove from Florida and surprised us last night coming in and got here at midnight who talked to me two hours, 44 minutes, and like 49 seconds on his final drive in. <laughs> And I'm there going, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. I haven't required, some people don't require much sleep, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to pay, to pay attention to the sleep and the rest. It may not just be sleep, but to the rest that we need. It's important to our physical health that we get rest. And also, diet, exercise, rest. Wisdom. In order for me to, to, to be physically healthy, I need to apply wisdom to my life. Do you know things like vaccinations? I'm sorry, but I believe in them. Some people don't. You know, uh, follow your convictions. You know, but I happen to believe that, you know, medical help and pharmaceutical help, you know, as long as it's non abuse of drugs, don't abuse drugs, even prescription drugs, don't abuse drugs, okay? Don't take Xanax every night. I understand that it helps you achieve dementia long term. Hello? You ought to look down the road and foresee the evil, the danger, the problem. And this is the point where you begin to avoid some of those problems. I mean, we could go on and on. I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not a, you know, a dietary technician, but I do understand that there are a few things that aren't good for any of us. And nothing's good in too much quantity. Prudent germ control, wisdom. Come on, wash your hands. Don't be opposed to washing your hands because the government said do it. Don't be one of those Americans. <laughs> wash your hands. <laughs> I haven't yet stopped touching my face. I have almost stopped touching other people's faces, though, so that's a big step. Prudent germ control. And this is a word that you will, this is a phrase that you're going to grow to hate over the next little bit. Social distancing. But let me tell you, if you have a cold, don't get around other people. They may not can take it. And if you're healthy, then you may not want to buddy up with somebody 
that's blowing snot all over everywhere. It's just a little wisdom that we apply to life. Okay? Because these are the things that help us work with God. I mean, we can pray all day long, but if you keep hitting your hand with a hammer, it's going to hurt. Okay? It will. For your sake and for the sake of others. You know? Uh, the next question I ask myself is, is how can we help God achieve His will for us to be mentally healed and mentally healthy? Well, uh, you know, number one, uh, something that I have learned through the years is that, that, that we should police our own thought life. God wants you mentally healthy. He doesn't want you living in fear, in worry. He doesn't want you all stressed out and anxious. He doesn't want you, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, believing lies and, 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 you know, feeling that despair and, you know, doom, despair, and agony on me, deep down depression, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You know, y'all know the, uh, y'all don't know the, uh, are y'all too uh, young for that? What, what, what was that? Hee-haw. Yeah, it was, a, it was a weekly program. Okay. Well, please, our thought life. You know, no one can talk to you like you can talk to you. Stop telling yourself junk. Stop piling on, you know, uh, you know yourself. Stop talking yourself down. Stop telling yourself that other people you know, meant something bad or don't like you or don't want you around or, or that, you know, stop that. Don't let garbage in your head. You have to police your own thoughts, you know, uh, and, and, and for goodness sake, don't let garbage out. Okay? It affects other people. Take your thoughts captive like 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says there's a battle in the mind for the mind. We have got to control our thoughts. We've got to bring our thoughts into captivity so that we don't end up making ourselves sick mentally, emotionally. Again, to be mentally healthy, we need to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. You know, that's, that's what Ephesians 5, 19 says. You know, that we should speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns. and That means we should build ourselves up, that we should speak to ourselves, that's which is good to use of edifying, that it might minister grace even to our own ears, that we might encourage ourselves in the Lord. That's what David did when all of his friends wanted to stone him and everybody else wanted to kill him. And when everything was going bad and his wives had, had, had been, you know, taken captive and all of his stuff taken captive and he didn't know what to do and everybody wanted to kill him, the Bible says when they all wanted to stone him, he encouraged himself in the Lord. He spoke to himself and he said David you can do this you can do this get up and go forward even if you've got to do it by yourself God is with you that's what I say to myself I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me God is with me he's for me he's not against me he is my helper he is my strong shield and my buckler and the Holy Spirit is my rear guard and when the enemy comes against me like a flood the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him I will not be afraid of what my enemies shall do to me whom shall I fear I belong to the Lord God Almighty that's what we have to say to ourselves like David said to himself I can do this Speak to ourselves. Another thing to help us be mentally healthy is that we need to cultivate a merry heart. 
It's good to laugh. That's what Proverbs 17 verse 22 says, that a merry heart does you good just like a medicine. You need to get around some happy people, and you need to let yourself be happy. You need to be happy on purpose. You need to get around some hilarious people or, 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 or listen to something or watch something that makes you laugh, that makes you enjoy life, that just, come on now, that is like a medicine, the Bible says. It's medicine to us, but a wounded spirit, an old sour puss spirit dries up the bones. Don't be an old dried up prune. Come on, let yourself laugh. Make yourself laugh. Put yourself in a position or around people that's going to make you laugh and make you forget the problems and the pressures and, and, and all the turmoil and drama of life and just enjoy it for a little while. Get the stress off of you. The Bible tells us that it, is, it, it does us good like a medicine and it ministers to our bones, to the strength and the structure of our life. Well, finally, I'll close soon. How can we help God achieve his will for our life to be spiritually healed and healthy? God wants me physically healthy. He wants to heal me when I'm sick, but he wants me to work on maintaining my health. And I have to pay attention to diet and exercise. I have to pay some attention to my rest. I have to uh, apply wisdom to my life if I'm going to maintain physical health. Mental health. I'm going to have to police my own thoughts. I'm going to have to speak to myself some good things that God says about me. And I'm going to need to create some joy-filled moments in my life just on purpose. That's not easy for me. I don't laugh out loud. I, don't, I envy people that belly laugh and laugh out loud. Me, whenever I'm tickled, real tickled, I go, huh, that's about it. I apologized to my staff this week because they pulled a joke on me on Monday and they had waited three or four days. Sure, she had waited for three days. She couldn't hardly stand it, couldn't hardly go to sleep at night because they had planned to pull a joke on me on Monday morning. And when they pulled the joke on me, I thought it was so funny. And I went, huh. And then I sat down and didn't say anything. On the inside, I was going, ha, 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 But on the outside, it wasn't there. I envy those people. And every now and then, I get alone, and I just try my best to laugh real loud and just laugh. But I, I'm, you know, I, 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 I need help. Thankfully, you know, uh, Carrie tells me at least 10 jokes a week. You know? I told him to today, right back. He, he emailed me two jokes. I, emailed, I did my version of it and, my, and put them back to him. You know, create some opportunity in your life to, to enjoy life. And, but how do I also keep myself spiritually healthy so that God's not always having to pick me up and lift me up? God's not always having, I'm, I'm not always the one in need of prayer. I'm the one praying for others. Well, number one, I have to be personally responsible for my prayer life. Prayer, talking to God, just talking to God. Number two, the intake of the Word of God in my life keeps me spiritually healthy. I go to His Word. Every morning I go to His Word. Every morning I go to His Word. First thing I touch is His Word. The first thing I see is His Word. The first thing I read is His Word. Why? Because I want to be spiritually healthy. You need me spiritually healthy. When my eyes first open up, they open up on His Word. 
and I began to read his word. You know, I talked to him. Read his word. Worship. We need a personal time of worship in our lives. A time when we worship God. Just worshiping him. And service. If you want to be spiritually fit, spiritually healthy, you need to serve God in some way. You need to serve him. Serve him in your local church. Serve him in your community. Serve him. Do something for somebody else in the name of Jesus. They don't even have to know it's in the name of Jesus. You know, go down and, you know, volunteer to, you know, walk somebody across the street. You don't have to say in the name of Jesus, you know, but serve somehow. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ and his purposes. You know, serve in our, in our food pantry if you, you know, to serve, you know, uh, serve as an usher, serve as a greeter, serve as a Sunday school teacher, serve the Lord, serve your community, serve the kingdom of God. If you want to be spiritual healthy, you're going to have to pour out. Don't become the Dead Sea. You need to become a flowing river. There's nothing alive in the Dead Sea. God will do his part and we need to work with him to do ours. And we can rest assured that no matter what um, enemy we face in life, whether it's small or whether it's large, uh, that the Lord is my shepherd. No matter what I face, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You want to know why? Because God is with me. His rod and his staff, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And guess what else? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies economic enemies, COVID-19 enemies. The Lord has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my, my cup runs over. I'm overflowing with God's goodness and grace. Surely His goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. Let's all work with God to live healed and healthy and to trust that he will do what we cannot, but that we should do what we can. A godly life is all about faith and works. Okay? Faith and works.